0: This This is
1: The Second
0: Second Story Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome back to The Second Story Podcast, election edition. In an increasingly sectarian world where straw men and vitriol are the most potent currencies of our public discourse, empathy is harder and harder to come by. One of the greatest tricks of politics is attaching a specific agenda to morality. What if we reach down inside ourselves and question our political ideology? What are our most thoughtless, reflexive, core assumptions? Who are what fed us those assumptions? And what deeper values are they trying to articulate? If we were able to share them with other people, perhaps these values would not look so different. Perhaps the divisions between us are largely an artifice designed for the benefit of someone else. Recorded live at Haymarket Pub and Brewery on September 18th, 2016. Let's reach across the aisle. With Julie Ganey
0: I spent a good deal of my energy this summer dragging my feet and avoiding a visit to my parents house now this is unusual You know, my parents live in a beautiful little house in the woods in Missouri. I love it there. My husband and my daughter and my dog love it there. And I really like my parents. But as the summer wore on, I became increasingly vague and foggy about when we would actually clear out a few days to visit them. It was mid-July when my mother finally asked over the phone, are you gonna make it down here at all this summer? Well, you're coming up for Dot's birthday in August, right? I responded. But we both knew this was a different matter. I mean, my mom would be coming up, but my dad is a homebody. You have to go to him if you want to see him. My mom said, well, I think your dad wants to teach Dot how to play pickleball. (laughs) I felt a stab of guilt. Oh, you know, Mom, I'm doing this teaching, and then Dot has camp. You know, I I don't know. The truth is, I was afraid. I didn't want to visit my parents because I was filled with a weighted dread. Dread at the possibility that I would hear my father say the words, I'm voting for Donald Trump. Now, I want to make it clear, I don't expect everyone out there to share my political views. No, I understand that there are people who have the same strong feelings about Hillary Clinton that I have about Donald Trump. I mean, in some ways, we're all in the same boat. We all have these intense feelings about what we think these candidates stand for, and the political landscape is so polarized that it allows for little complexity or middle ground. I mean, I didn't know who my dad was gonna vote for, and I didn't wanna know. I I desperately didn't want to know. Because Trying to assimilate the fact that my father would support Donald Trump's ideologies into the picture of the father that I loved and respected, I mean, it just felt too hard. Here's what I did know for sure. One, if I ended up in my parents' house, I was gonna know. Because it is impossible to walk into my parents' house and not talk politics with my father. You are lucky to set your bags down before he starts asking you if you saw this or you read that. I mean, once he starts talking about politics specifically, his normally subdued voice gets loud and his gestures become emphatic, and it's almost like he can't stop. He will talk and ask questions for hours. I mean, it's impressive, but it also has the feeling of someone who's off on a drunken bender, you know? (laughs) excited for the next bar and holding you hostage long after you're ready to go home and go to bed. <laughs> All right, two. My dad is a conservative. Okay, this has nothing to do with his social views, which are progressive. He does not align with the religious right, and he has never owned a gun. But as a fiscal conservative, he believes in reducing spending, paying off the national debt, and shrinking the size and scope of government. On the other hand, my father regularly reads, not just the Wall Street Journal, but also the New York Times. I mean, he was a college professor for 35 years, and reads more books in a year than all of my siblings and me put together. On the other hand, he voted for George W. Bush. But on the other hand, I mean, my dad actually has a lot in common with Hillary Clinton. He's wonky. He's interested in the details of political policy. He reads Supreme Court transcripts. On the other hand, I've observed him watching Fox News on more than one occasion. But on the other hand, my dad hates, he hates conspicuous consumption and showy displays of wealth. He once told me that he and my mom were going to buy another Toyota Corolla because a Camry might be a little ostentatious. My dad also hates rude behavior. I mean, Donald Trump is exactly the kind of person my dad can't stand. On the other hand, my father is unpredictable and inexplicable. I mean, every time I think he fits nicely into any kind of box, he proves me wrong. So I just didn't know. And it felt important. It felt like I would be betraying something in myself if I was still okay with my father as a Trump supporter. It felt too insurmountable to reconcile. I mean, it was a part of him I didn't want to look at. On the other hand, after getting off the phone with my mother that day in July, I remembered Thanksgiving 2014. So we were at my parents' house, which is about 50 miles south of Ferguson, Missouri. On Tuesday of that week, a grand jury had chosen not to indict Darren Wilson for shooting and killing unarmed African-American teen Michael Brown. Protests erupted in Ferguson, and the news showed footage of impassioned black leaders talking about nonviolence, but also a police car being set on fire, looted shops, people running in the streets. The topic had been danced around in conversation over Thanksgiving dinner. You know, oh, it's so upsetting what's happening up there, and I heard protesters shut down I-70 for a while on Tuesday. I mean, these were innocuous comments without any obvious opinion attached to them. I mean, it was upsetting what was happening in Ferguson. And no one, least of all me, forged any deeper into that conversation over Thanksgiving dinner. My understanding of racism grew out of my living in Rogers Park and working with children in a neighborhood that provides a close-up view of how privileged I am. If you see on a daily basis other people being treated differently than you are or struggling with poverty in a neighborhood that needs more resources or better schools, it's uncomfortable. It's harder not to care about it. My parents live in a mostly white, rural community, and my siblings lead middle-class lives. I don't expect them to see things the way I do. And I didn't particularly want to dig around and take the chance that I might hear people I love reveal that they don't care about certain issues as much as I do. I didn't want to hear my family reveal their biases. And frankly, I am no expert. I have my own biases and unexamined attitudes. I just happen to hang around people who point them out to me. (laughs) But on the Friday morning after Thanksgiving, I stumbled into the kitchen for a cup of coffee and I found my father standing there in his pajamas, his white hair slicked back, staring at a small TV on the kitchen island. They're shutting down the Galleria in Chesterfield Mall, he said. Who? I asked. Protesters. I looked at the television screen. Protesters lying on the floor. A cut to protesters holding signs and chanting. This was the early stages of the Black Lives Matter movement. They shouldn't be doing that, my dad said, shaking his head. Why not? It's disruptive. They don't have the right to interfere with those businesses. Well, disruptive is the whole point, Dad. They're trying to get people's attention in a peaceful way. Well, that's not the way to do it. I felt this flash of impatience. I said, why not? I mean, Black Friday is all about money, so they're disrupting the flow of money. They're saying, hey, you wanna go on with your lives and not notice what is happening around you, but seven miles north of here in Ferguson, there are no malls like this because the economy cannot support it. And also an unarmed teenager was shot with his hands up because black people do not have the same protections that you have. My father's face looked puzzled. But that kid in Ferguson wasn't a good kid. I read the grand jury testimony. Did you see the video? I mean, did you see him in that store? Dad, that doesn't mean he deserved to be shot. What these protesters are saying is that this happens all the time. Well, he muted the sound on the TV but continued watching. I felt this unfamiliar kind of desperation. I knew my dad wasn't ignorant or intolerant, but somehow he just didn't have a reference point for what he was seeing. I watched my dad's brow furrow as he stood there turning over what I'd said. That's another thing about my dad. I mean, most of the time he actually does listen to you. Now, my father would never shop in a mall or head to a store on Black Friday. He lives in a community that has a Walmart and some strip malls and a few shops on Main Street. His history includes growing up in East St. Louis in the 1940s at a time when it was mostly white and seeing the community change dramatically in the 50s. Blacks moved in and white flight happened over a few years. My father's family stayed, probably because they couldn't afford to move, until his uncle, my great uncle, was shot in his candy store and they left. It's possible that my father, with all his intelligence, doesn't have a context for racism beyond this personal experience. But remembering my dad watching the TV, I saw how it might be possible to face whatever he told me about who he was voting for. And that maybe if I could actually listen to him and accept what I didn't want to see, I mean, not ignore it, but maybe look around it or, or through it to the whole person that my father is, Maybe I could do that with other people who were voting for the other candidate this November. Maybe we all could. But I saw that not talking about it wasn't the solution. Back at the end of July, on the first night of the Republican convention, I found myself wondering if my dad was watching too, and what in the world he thought about what he was seeing. I called him the next afternoon when I knew he was usually home after his writing time and before pickleball. And after we talked about the grandchildren and the weather and all the other small things I'd been using to divert conversations from politics all summer, I willed myself to do it the way you will yourself to jump into a freezing pool. I said, Dad? Do you think you're gonna vote for Donald Trump?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Julie's story was curated by Margaret Marion, Paula Carter, she was directed by Tyler Green, The sound design was by Mike Prisgoda. Second Story is supported in part by the Chicago Community Trust, the MacArthur Funds for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. House Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, a City Arts Grant from the City of Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, the Arts and Business Council of Chicago, the Arts Work Fund for Organizational Development, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Nick Kawahara, and this, this is the second second story podcast.